Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Rick Thomas here. Thank you so much for joining me for Life Over Coffee. You can find me at lifeovercoffee.com. Someone wrote in and they asked a question, now that I want forgiveness, how do I handle my past sins? This is a fantastic question because what happens is sometimes we come to our senses. That's a great place to come to. I'm actually talking about Luke 15 where the prodigal son was flying high, wide, and far. And then at some point in verse number 7, he came to his senses. Well, we all want to do that if we have been flying high, wide, and far. And when we do, well, obviously there's going to be some corruption. There's going to be some sins in our past. And the humble heart will want to think about those things and then also think about how to reconcile what is in our past. And so what I want to present to you over the next few minutes is how to think about our past sins. And I want to put it specifically within the marriage context. Now, the reason I'm doing that is because someone wrote in and asked me a very specific question about my relationship with my wife and how we did not confess our sins at all for the first five years of our marriage. And so So let me read to you the question that the gentleman wrote in, and then I want to walk through it. So the context is a person has come to their senses. In this case, Lucia and I came to our senses, and it's like we do not have a confessional home. And there are things in our past, and so now that we want to move forward in the right direction, well, before we can do that, we need to think about all the stuff that we accumulated in the past that did not glorify God, and some of it did not honor each other as well. And so let me read the question that the gentleman wrote, and then I will get into it in a very specific manner. He asked, when you and Lucia realized that you hadn't asked for forgiveness for several years, well, how did you work out the gospel in that situation? I mean, you couldn't go back and cover all your past sins against each other at that time, correct? Yeah, that is correct. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. There is water under the bridge, if I can throw out multiple metaphors here. And so he says, well, how do you handle forgiving sin over such an extended period? This is a very practical question because all of us have messy lives and and none of us are born in perfection and live perfection all of our lives. And so there is a point to where we began to living our lives the right way, which means we're going to love God and love others more uh, than anything else. Well, when that happens, then you're going to look in the rearview mirror and you're going to recognize that there's stuff back there. And so how do I handle this stuff back there? And that makes my friend's question quite vital because we all have a history with people. And sometimes that history includes sinful interactions. And if you don't have a sin plan that neutralizes the sin at the moment, then the accumulative effect of unconfessed sin, it can weigh heavy on any relationship. And so let's suppose that you come to your senses and you want to resolve past conflict with someone. And again, in the context of what I'm sharing here, that someone is your spouse. But if you're not married and you're coming to your senses, well, you can take this and apply it uh, to anyone in your life. And so the question is, how do you go about it? 
And so I want to answer that question in two parts. One is somewhat foundational. I want to mention four things. And then after that, I want to get into some very practical tips as we look in the rearview mirror and think about what do we take care of? What do we not take care of? How does wisdom speak practically to the stuff in our past? But before I get into those uh, thoughts, I just want to lay a foundation in a sequential order. And the first step is always, as you might imagine, a humble heart. The first place to begin is in your heart as it relates to God. And you do this by discerning what the Lord wants from you. You see, all life problems begin vertically rather than horizontally. Therefore, you, you work to learn how to apply the greatest commandment, which is to love God most of all, before you start thinking about loving others second most of all. And that is where Lucia and I began. Our hearts before God rather than our hearts before each other. And David gives us some insight about this where he gives us a vital template to think about when working through relational brokenness. He said this in Psalm 51, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offering. And so he what David is saying that God is not interested in the works that I do. And the implication here is at this time, because there's something more important, which he explains in the next sentence. He says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And so after many months of rebellion, the Lord started a persevering process of bringing David to himself. And when David thought about what was of first importance regarding his past sins, he did not begin on the horizontal plane, the horizontal works of reconciliation. Though a backward glance at David's nefarious activities saw a lot of sin that had strained and broken his most intimate relationships, the pressing thing on David's to-do list was a right heart before the Lord. He sat in the rubble of his blunders, and he begged God for clarity on where to begin fixing his past mistakes. God wanted a contrite heart because David's brokenness would form the foundation upon which he could rebuild redemptive horizontal relationships. A genuinely repentant person is a broken and contrite person who has come to the end of himself which starts with God's favor on his life. It is humility. God gives grace to the humble. And so the first thing that we want to examine when we come to our senses is our relationship with God and the ultimate and preeminent damage that we have caused in that relationship. And so David's thoughts were less on what he could do to fix his past mistakes, which I'll get to in just a moment, and more on how he had sinned against God, the only thing that matters first of all. He was singing through quivering lips, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. He intuitively knew that the only thing that would please God would be if he rested in someone else's works because David's works ruined his family. David's works ruined his relationships. 
and more self-reliant burnt offerings, more self-sufficient efforts would only worsen matters, even if good intentions were behind them. He needed a better strategy, so he begged for God's help. And so step one, when you begin thinking about resolving past conflict or past sins, how do you handle them? That is the question. Well, we start with humility, and we have to make sure that our hearts are truly broken before God. And then step number two, as you're looking across the horizontal plane, you want to recognize that there are communication levels. And so as you move into the horizontal realm, you have to remember that there is a gap between who people know you to be, the person that they know you to be, and the person that you know yourself to be. There, there are two different people here, who you know yourself to be and who they know you to be. That gap between reality and what they know about you, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. And the reason it doesn't have to be a bad thing is because it is unwise to reveal everything in our minds, everything that wafts through our minds. And so as you have a broken heart before God, and that is established clearly, and as you move out into horizontal relationships, as you think about your past sins, you have to remember that there will always be a gap between you and everyone else. And so you will need discernment in appropriately communicating your truest self to others, including parts of your past. And so you want to make sure that you communicate the right way, knowing that there is always a gap between who I am today and who Christ is. What you don't want, and I'm sure that if your heart is broken in humility, by humility, or your heart is composed of humility, what you don't want is full-blown, uninterrupted, continuously accelerating hypocrisy. Obviously, that is evil, and no Christian should live heading in that direction. But if you are thinking about your past sins, then you, are, you have stopped heading in that direction. And so you are surveying the scene of your heart, and you want to cooperate with God to close the distance between who you are and, and who Christ is. However, there is wisdom here. It would be unwise to reveal the totality of your entangled heart to just everyone, every person, even every person that you have offended. And so if your heart is contrite and you are managed by humility over your past, you should be willing to do whatever is necessary to make things right, including speaking to the right people in an appropriate way about your sins. For example, I would not just walk up to a man on the street and tell him some things that, that I would and should tell my wife. It is none of his business. And by the way, it probably would not serve him to tell him some of those things. I do not have that intimacy with him or the relational bridge. But I also do not tell my wife every sinful detail that goes floating through my brain. The point here in step number two, communication levels, is that there are levels of transparency that you want to factor into 
all of your relationships. And if you are managed by a humble heart, then you're not running toward hypocrisy. You want to make things right, but you recognize there has to be levels of transparency because you want to steward other people. And so as you think about, you want to steward the hearts of other people, so as you think about communication levels, it should be in this order. God knows everything there is to know about you, and so you are fully transparent before Him. And then next, your spouse. Your spouse should know more about you than any other person. And then third level down, your spiritual overseers, like say at your church, they would know less about you than your spouse does, obviously, but they would know more than others. And then your fourth level down, some people in your local church should be your transparent friends. And then your fifth level down could be acquaintances, neighbors, workmates, schoolmates, friends. They will know less, less than God, less than your wife, less than your overseers, less than close friends. And so think through those communication levels as you are managed by a humble heart that is seeking to discern how to reconcile my past sins. And then step number three, I've titled Honest Talks. If you have a humble heart and you have a, an awareness of what you should say or who you should be talking to appropriately, biblically, about your past sins, and then I want you to consider these five tips. Tip number one, make sure people are pressing into your life and that you are aggressively building relationships with them because you want to grow a culture of honesty, which is different from the culture that you have been living in the past. Not to be judgmental here or to be unkind, but if the question here, now that I want forgiveness, how do I handle my past sins? Well, obviously there wasn't a culture of, culture of honesty. And so you want to make sure that you are pressing into the right people. And in the context of what I'm sharing here, the number one person outside of God would be your spouse. Tip number one, be aggressively pressing into your spouse. Number two, Everyone should know when they lie about something and hide things from their spouses. And so just ask God to illuminate your mind. Don't play mind games any longer. Don't, don't fall into the rationalization trap, the justification trap, the blaming trap. But ask God to eliminate your mind, and, and, and when God does, just be honest about whatever it is that you have just done. You don't want to build more hiding on top of past hiding, and, and you should know when you are lying. If, if you are humble and God's giving you favor, the Spirit of God is going to illuminate your mind. And so there may be some things that you need to share with your spouse. Now, again, I'm not saying that you share everything, but you should be humble and willing to examine your heart while holding your self-analysis loosely, but you're willing to have these ongoing open relationships with your spouse appropriately because you don't want to repeat what you have been doing. Tip number two, you know when you're honest, and so ask God to give you the wisdom and what to share. Tip number three, become biblically comfortable with the gap between who you are and who Christ is. Some people can really get hung up because they're not perfect. No, there will always be ongoing imperfection. Uh, we are growing toward Christ-likeness, but we are not perfect Christ-like yet. Become biblically comfortable with your imperfection is tip number three. And so the self-disclosure thing 
in your imperfection is a wisdom issue. But if you desire to reconcile your past with your spouse, the Lord will give you illuminating favor, what you need on how to proceed and how what to say to your spouse. Tip, tip number four, daily seek to close the gap between you and your spouse. And so now you want to talk about this gap on the horizontal level between you and your spouse. It may mean discussing past mistakes that interfere with your one flesh union. You see, in the past, you had pockets of silence between you and your spouse because there wasn't a culture of honesty and transparency in your relationship. And so now you're thinking 180 degrees differently. So you want to close those pockets of silence. And so daily ask God to give you wisdom of how to close that gap between what has been in your past as far as your relationship with your spouse, and you want to continue to grow in communication so that you can close that gap so you can move toward greater koinonia or greater community, which leads to tip number five. I would appeal to you to read and digest and practice our content at lifeovercoffee.com on communication. I have written scores of articles on koinonia. On communication is what the word means. And my appeal to you would be to become fluent in these matters. Become fluent in koinonia. And so as you begin, as you determine that out of a humble heart, I'm going to communicate appropriately to my spouse because I want to close this gap that is between us. And with that kind of attitude, the Spirit of God will illuminate your mind on what to say. Well, you want to do your work as well. And so you want to grow in communication ideas and principles. You want to grow in what it means to have quantania with another person, specifically your spouse. And so I would just appeal to you to read and to digest that content on koinonia. And so step number one, this, the, the four foundational steps, step number one is you have to have a humble heart. And without that, anything else will fall apart if it's not sitting on top of a humble heart. Number two, recognize that there are communication levels. You say more to some and less to others, and that is a wisdom issue. And then level three, we know that when we're aligned and we just want to be honest and we're going to lean into honest talks with my spouse. And then level uh, uh, point number four, we want to uh, grow in a biblical fluency as we communicate and close that, that gap uh, between myself and my spouse. And then I want to talk about past sins. And, and I want to give you some practical, I think there's eight ideas here that I want to share with you, but practically. So now you have the foundation set. And so I want to talk about past sins in a very practical way. And I'll begin by sharing a verse from Luke 14, uh, 19, 8. And this verse says that Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I, I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. 
And so here is a man who has met Jesus. And it is normal when a person encounters Jesus to begin thinking about past damages done. And that is exactly what Zacchaeus is doing. That kind of desire reflects the restorative heart that God gives us. It reflects that humble heart that I was talking about earlier. So, so Zacchaeus is thinking, it's like, man, I want to deal with my past sins. And so with that text as a template, I want to share a few things with you. As you ponder your past and how you would like to reconcile current relationships, I trust that these eight things will help. Number one, carefulness about applying unique historical biblical events. That text I just shared with you is a historical event. And though any passage of Scripture can have multiple applications, there is only one point to a text, not two there is only one. Meaning this, that is a historical text about what Zacchaeus did, but it's not teaching us that that is what we should do because that is not the point of that text. The Bible does not teach about absolute rectification of all past sins. It is a common mistake for Christians to take a story from the Bible, like what I just shared with you in, uh, with Zacchaeus, and map it over their lives and do similar to what the historical figure did. In the case of Zacchaeus, he was motivated to rectify his past sins. But the point of the passage about Zacchaeus was his humility after meeting Jesus not his unique-to-him works that flowed out of that humility. Though not everyone who met the Savior returned and rectified their past sins, some of them did. And so point number one, be careful as you read into Scripture, specifically as you're thinking about how to rectify past sins. In this case of Zacchaeus, that is not the template. It is just telling a story. It's just a historical narrative, but it is not normative. So we want to be careful about applying unique historical events to our lives. Number two, you may or you may not rectify past sins. For example, several years ago, I, I tried to find my high school English teacher. I was a royal pain in her stressed-out rear end during my sophomore year in high school. And so I went back to encourage her. I wanted to rectify. I wanted her to know that her patience with me was not in vain. I also wanted to testify about the Lord's goodness in this former rebel's teen's heart. I wanted her to know that God could make royal children out of royal pains. My reason for seeking her out was not instigated by what Zacchaeus did there. It was not because of any unresolved multi-decade guilt or anxiety at work in my conscience. I did it because I respected her. It was just that simple, and I wanted to glorify God, and I hoped to encourage her. Now, regrettably, I could not find her. It's impossible to sift through your past sinfulness to make everything right. It's also illogical and impractical and unwise. Perhaps there are situations where you can, and it is right, to try to make it right with those that you have sinned against. But point number two here, you may or you may not rectify past sins 
And you need to keep that in mind. Number three, it may be possible to resolve current relationships that have been affected by your sins. And so if you have friends, unlike my school teacher in 10th grade many decades ago, that you have sinned against, and it is possible to reach out to them, you should reach out to them and ask for their forgiveness. Spouses, parents, and children are a few of these current relationships that you possibly could reach out to, and you can make amends, and you could seek their forgiveness. Point number four, it may be possible to reconcile with those suffering because of you. If you have sinned against someone and the person is still struggling, it would be humble and correct to attempt to seek forgiveness from that person. If you know someone who is struggling because of what you have done, that is in your most current past, then you want to seek that person and make amends and seek their forgiveness. Number five, if love cannot cover your sin, and you want to think about this idea of love covering, because sometimes love can cover our sins and other transgressions can bleed through like a stain under white paint. If love does not cover your sins to where you can't be free from the guilt accompanying your sins, then you should try to pursue restorative forgiveness. Point number six. If your conscience is condemning you for your past sins, then seek advice for conscience-related matters, and that is imperative. Many things other than the Bible can sway your conscience, so it's important to understand that. And so you must carefully discern a weak, a hard, a dull, a sensitive conscience. Our conscience is malleable, and so you want to be careful that you are understanding your conscience correctly because some people can have an oversensitive conscience, and it's really not necessary for them to rectify their past sins, but they feel that they should because they have an oversensitive conscience. Genuine conviction comes from the Spirit of God and the Word of God is informing what the Spirit of God is illuminating you. The Spirit of God and the Word of God will be working together to uh, inform your conscience, and you want to make sure those things are true. I have seen where lousy religion can create a false sense of guilt that was hard to discern between the Bible's genuine sense of guilt. And if you come from a legalistic authoritarian environment, you can see sin when sin is really not there. Number seven, if you hear from the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and you hear from the canon, God's Word, and your conscience is in line with what you believe the Spirit of God is eliminating and what the, the, the Word of God teaches, then you want to reach out to community. Comforter, canon, conscience, and community, the four-legged biblical decision-making stool, that is your fail-safe to know if, you hear, if you're truly hearing from God. If the Spirit, God's Word, your conscience, and the community are all on the same page, maybe you should seek to repair past wrongs. And then number eight, you cannot reconcile all relationships. I have sinned against people, and I have sought reconciliation to resolve my misdeeds. Still, the other party was unwilling to cooperate. They didn't want to transact forgiveness. Another typical 
typical situation where you cannot rectify past wrongs is after someone dies. And so Paul's language in Romans 12:18 is helpful when thinking about broken relationships. It should be the breadth of your responsibility to fix relational brokenness as much as depends upon you. And so after Lucia and I came to a contrite place in our hearts and marriage, most of the wrong stuff back there just, whew, it just vaporized. Many of the things were no longer critical and not even worth discussing. Then there were other things that were shadows in the room, maybe pink elephants prancing about the room for our review, and we needed to discuss. And so the person asked me, when you and Lucia realized that you hadn't asked forgiveness for several years, how did you work out the gospel in that situation? where there were two unalterable keys that will let you know if the power of the gospel is working in your relationship. One, it is not a problem to overlook offenses. You should be able to overlook offenses. Number two, talking about offenses that you cannot ignore should not be a problem. If you can overlook offenses and they don't animate, they don't come back, you can just truly overlook them and they are gone forever. The power of the gospel can do that. But then for the other ones that you can't overlook, then you should be able to talk about them, and the power of the gospel should permit you to talk about them in a non-punitive way. The gospel rightly understood and practically applied does not minimize sin, but it does not allow you to linger on it either. The gospel obliterates past sins when the humble heart dials into the gospel. And so as you think about your life, your relationships, and the wrongs that may have come between you and others, perhaps reflecting on these few questions that I'm asking you, and then perhaps sharing these questions with a friend to help you clarify any responses that may be vague to you at this point. Question number one, talk about how you would answer this question. Is your primary objective to be right with God? Is that your primary objective? What are your motives for making things right with God? This is a talking point that you really need to have when you're thinking about past sins. You don't want to just launch into trying to correct things that have happened in the past between you and others, not without carefully examining your vertical relationship with God. And so the question is, is your primary objective to be right with God? As David was talking about in Psalm 51, what are your motives for making things right with God? Number two, is your heart humbly exposed and vulnerable before the Lord? Is your heart contrite? Meaning, this is not a damage control thing you're trying to do between you and somebody else on the horizontal plane. But you have a genuinely broken heart over a past wrong. Number three, is your primary motive for cleaning up past messes because you love God more than anything else? Do you sense that I'm really dialed in on the vertical relationship? Because I've seen this so often. When people think about the past sins, they immediately launch into the horizontal plane. And sometimes that's really more about damage control. It's more about mitigating consequences in their lives, and they truly do not have a broken and contrite heart before God. The question is, is your primary motive for cleaning up past messes because you love God more than anything else? Or are you trying to pay for your sins? 
Or are you resting in Christ's payment of your sins on your behalf? Question four, how much distance is there between you and Christ's likeness? And which way are you heading? Are you heading away from him? Or are you incrementally closing the gap? If you are incrementally closing the gap between where you are today and who Christ is, you're in a good place. And I want you to be comfortable with that. We're not overlooking sin, but we're also not over-examining it and living in some kind of woe-is-me mentality. No, we are resting where we are. We are pointed in the right direction. Our hearts are broken before God, and so we're going to use wisdom as we, we deal with those things in the past so that we can take care of them, so that we can move on, closing that gap between who we are today and who Christ is as we head toward perfection in Christ. Number five, how much should you reveal about your past? Now, perhaps you think through something that you should share and think through something that you shouldn't share. You want to spend time in prayer about this matter because when you start thinking about the past, there are some things back there that you want to be very careful. Again, I'm not talking about hiding anything inappropriately, but I'm also talking about not communicating everything inappropriately as well. Perhaps sharing your perspective about your thoughts about your past with a friend would prove very wise. And I would encourage you to seek wisdom from others as you launch into mending relationships as it pertains to your past. Number six, who should you approach to reconcile past wrongs? Now, maybe in a few moments that you just spend some time and maybe over the next few days or the next week, just thinking through and ask God to give you insight into people that you have you believe you have hurt in the past and just list them out. And then you want to walk through what you should say and should you should, should say it, how much of it you should overlook, maybe bar brains and gain wisdom as you work through the list of past individuals and past offenses. Number seven, is it possible to reconcile? Number eight, can you overlook the offense? Number nine, is your spirit illuminated, Bible-informed, conscience-affirming, and community advice telling you that you should go reconcile? Make sure you use all four aspects of decision-making. What does the Bible say? How is this spirit eliminating your mind? What is your conscience saying? And what is a competent good friend saying to you? before you go and reconcile, or should you go and reconcile? And then number 10, finally, are you doing all you can to live in peace with that person? Are you really doing everything that you possibly can to live in peace with that person? The title of this is Now That I Want Forgiveness, How Do I Handle My Past Sins? I trust that was helpful. If we can help you in any other way, please go to our coffee shop at lifeovercoffee.com. Just hit the search feature. We have tons of resources, especially on forgiveness, a lot of stuff on forgiveness, on communication, on reconciliation, on repentance. And perhaps those would be a few words that would help you to get started. Thank you so much and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.